Welcome to LeapCast. I'm your host, Dr. George James. LEAP stands for leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers. And I'm on a journey to connect with high achievers and highlight their unexamined human moments. Tune in to learn how these high-achieving LEAP individuals were able to reach their greatest potential, face their most difficult challenges, and embrace the human moments that helped them along the way. If you want to get the episode highlights directly in your email, then head to theleapcasts.com right now to subscribe. Today, I have the honor and opportunity to bring Tony Goins to our LeapCast community. He's an amazing actor, person, uh, Juilliard trained, has so many skills. I'm so excited for what our conversation will be. So let me bring him in. Tony, welcome here. Welcome to LeapCast. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That's, that's awesome. So, you know, part of what we like to do is like in this conversation is what I like to call it the leap story to really learn a little bit more about you and your journey from like where you started off to where you are now. And so, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are. Sure, 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 sure. Well, I, I mainly started in sports, actually. I did. I played sports for a very long time, at least like I'd say like 13 years, really? kind of everything basketball soccer football I swam I lacrosse ran track all of that all the sports yeah all the sports all the sports and eventually so my mom has a background in dance and my grandmother she was an entertainer she sings she did theater my great-grandfather was a musician so my mom's side has a lot of entertainment background to them and I wanted to get involved in that in some way. Does that and mean like you were doing like your own show at home at some point? Sometimes, yeah. Well, what I would do, what I would do is, um, I would, I would, I would impersonate a lot of the adults okay. in my life when I was younger, right. and it got a great reaction from the family. My cousins and I, we were raised close together, so I was always the one doing something to make everybody laugh. Even now, when I come home for family gatherings. I'll have one-liners, which is, I, I like to make people laugh and make them happy. And uh, I guess I, I started, I found my interest into performing in, I'd say, sixth grade. We, in my English class, we would have to do poems. We'd have to do poems at school. And they, most kids, you know, we stand up there, we say the poem, we go down. But as the year progressed, they would gradually become more like performances and We'll start bringing in costume pieces. We'll start moving around, started acting in it. And one of the drama teachers walked by the room and said, you should try out for the school play. Yeah. And I did. And that was my first like play I actually did. But it was still a hobby at that point. I was still doing sports and everything. It didn't get serious to me until I'd say about high school. High school, I got involved as a choreographer, actually. I started choreographing. So all those skills that mom just downloaded to you, you were you already had them. Yeah, there was just like, Shh. <laughs> and it was interesting because I had no training, so I didn't know the technical terms for anything, but I knew what it was supposed to look like, and I knew how to do it. So I was kind of like, "Can like, you do this?" Look right. like this? <laughs> Fix that. <laughs> right, right, and I would I would use a lot of the stuff my mom said. I would be like, "Point your foot." Where's your lines? Show me the angle. Nice. Hold yourself this way. So yeah, a lot of it was just downloaded in there. So I was choreographing full musicals with like 90 kids. Um, I think that was the largest amount, but I was 16 when I started doing this. Wow. And eventually began being in the shows as well as playing leads in these musicals and choreographing them. And that took so much time away that I had to, I had to leave sports. I was about to say, you couldn't do anything else. I couldn't. No, I had to fully commit myself. Were you also tech crew? I mean, like, did you bring the stuff on stage too? <laughs> if I had to, I probably would have. Yeah, right. Um, and so I realized I, this is a lot of work. I'm tired. I'm doing full days of school. And then I'm staying at school to like 10, 1030 at night. But I'm so happy. I love this and I want to keep doing this. And I was like, this is, this is the thing I want to do. So when it came time to apply for colleges, I actually wasn't sure. I wasn't sure 
what schools to look at, what to apply for. And so I was like, I guess musical theater, I guess is what I'm doing. And so I started touring colleges and things like that. And Juilliard was one of the schools I looked at. I had never heard of it at the time. And on the tour, it was all music specific. So none of my questions were answered. I didn't know anything about the drama. So I was like, man, this bumped this place. This sucks. Like, I, I, <laughs> my mom brought me back there a couple weekends later and it was an actor specific tour. And I got all the information I needed. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look into this. And so when it came to applying to schools, I decided honestly out of laziness, but it worked in my favor. I decided to apply just for drama. Okay. not musical theater. So I was like, I don't have to prepare a song. I don't have to prepare dances. I just need to work on these monologues, focus on that and do that. And so I actually worked with a guy. He taught drama at the Shipley school okay. in Philly. Um, his name is Ozzy Jones. And he worked with me on my monologues for college auditions. And he really, he worked on me really well with the Shakespeare okay. monologues. And, you know, you learn Shakespeare in, in school, but they, they don't teach you it. They kind of are like, this is great writing. This is beautiful. Just read it. And you're going, why? The, I don't understand. What is this? Yeah. It's like, what is this? I'm just going to use spark notes, I guess, right. and just pass. So what Ozzy did, he was able to put Shakespeare in context for me that I was able to connect with the material. He was able... He did the mod that it was a monologue from Hamlet. And he did that for me as if Hamlet was a dude from West Philly speaking. Right. And when he did that for me, it clicked immediately. And I was like, oh, this is not as separate from me as just like a person in general based on time differences, but as a black person as well. I was like, oh, I this is about, that, by the way, now I want to see <laughs> Philly. I want to see what that looks like. I'll do it for you, too. Look, I'll get, I'll get it for you. But he put it. I was like, this is about the human condition yeah. and who he is as a person and not all about trying to sound this way and that way. And so to this day, when I read Shakespeare or I see a play by Shakespeare, that's how I hear it. And so that's able I'm able to connect to the material like that. So. I went off and did my college auditions, bringing those skills. And oddly enough, at every school I went, they usually wanted to see stuff again. They always wanted to see that Shakespeare one again. Wow. Always. Yeah. That was the one every single school was the most interested in. And I was like, this is <laughs> a beautiful awesome. skill that got transferred. Yeah. And. Well, shout out to Ozzy. I mean, that's shout out, big shout out to Ozzy. Yeah. Um. And so fortunately, I, I was accepted into every school I applied to. Um, and Juilliard seemed like the best one to wow. go to. And and I would love even to learn a little bit more from your perspective of what Juilliard is, because I always hear it in my mind. I put it into like, you know, it's like an Ivy League of like, you know, performing arts. Right. Like, that's how I think about it. And yeah. unfortunately, this is probably not fair. Right. The movie Step Up comes in my head, and that might not be the appropriate <laughs> analogy either. So, what was the experience like for you? Because it also sounds like these other skills that you had, were you not using them that much? Because now I'm like, wait, Tony's a singer, he's a dancer, uh, not just an actor. Like, yeah. So I did, I I did get to use those at at Juilliard. Juilliard's not a musical theater school, but. We would we would take singing class because they're trying to prepare you for, if you know, trying to go to Broadway or trying to do film and TV. So we would have singing classes. We would do plays where there's music in it and we need to sing. We even did a cabaret one year. Um, we did shows where there was dancing in it. I got to choreograph for some of those while I was at school, which was awesome. It was it was a it's tough being there. They only accept 18 students every year for the drama program. And that 18 is a combination of grad and undergraduate students put together that make up the class. So yeah, it's a very low acceptance rate. And the, the audition process was long and tiring and took a lot. The, the first day of just the initial audition callback, it was like a 13 hour day mm. of, of work. And then they still, they call you back like, a, like maybe a month later and you do a full weekend of callback material. You're there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, still auditioning wow. for them. It was a very vigorous process. And even being there, it was four years. And 
it was interesting coming straight out of high school because some people in my class, you know, were like 18, 19, like I was. Some people were 30. Some people were 22. Some people were married. And so that range of people that you were working with was very different because I had only worked with, you know, with, with other high school kids. Right. And so we were coming in from all these different places of life. And it was interesting what we could give to each other. And I know initially the undergrads, what we were able to teach the grad students were you got to be able to relax and play and not worry so much about, am I doing this right? Are these the rules? Yeah. And I'm like, it's improv. I don't know. Like, just, just, just play around. Right. And the grad students, they were able to teach me things even outside of acting. So I could go to one of my classmates and be like, how do I get an apartment in New York? I don't know what the process is like. Nice. Or how I'm dealing with this stuff at home. I don't I don't really know how to handle that. You totally so, the give and take, right? Like this, like the, this way that we can all learn from each other and we can all grow. Absolutely. And we would support each other in different ways in the classroom, outside the classroom. And after that initial, I guess the first year in particular, where you're like, oh, we're from all these different walks of life. It, it, it blends after that. You don't know how old anyone is anymore. You don't know any of that. We're just we're a group. And it was long days. It was about the day would start anywhere between 8, 9 a.m. And we would go till 10, 30, 11 p.m. every day. That, that's something that people don't often think about, that being an actor, even from high school and then to Juilliard. And I know even beyond that you put in work, you put in long days, you put in so much work. Yeah. And like we had to stay in good physical shape. We had workout classes we had to do um on top of like i said singing or learning stuff for scene study preparing for this class it was all day it was like 12 13 14 hour days we'd go monday through friday and we would have class on saturdays too till about 6 p.m so it was six days a week all day every day we were hustling and at first it was it was interesting because I was like, I'm not having a college a college experience. I'm not we're not going to football games, I'm not tailgating, I'm not really going to parties. Um, I was like, I'm here to work. I'm here to work though. And that's that's what I signed up for. And I think that's what helped me. A lot of my classmates had a hard time being there, I think, especially the grad students going back to a structured environment. But the way I was able to process it, because my teachers would ask me, like, why don't you really have a lot of like problems while you're here? And like, granted, I, you know, I went through difficult times, but I wouldn't complain a lot because the way I visualized it was anything that I'm experiencing right now, more likely than not, is something I'm going to have to deal with when I get out of school and I don't have the safety net of going to my teachers or having my classmates here. So I might as well learn how to figure it out right now and just work through it and learn rather than being like, this isn't going my way. How did you get that mindset? I mean, obviously, like, not everybody has that mindset because some people get overwhelmed by stuff. You, mm -hmm. you sound like you're saying, like, I'm going to use this as a teachable moment. I'm going to learn as much as I can. How yeah. did you get to that perspective? I really think that came from my mom um, in growing up because she, she taught me, because I was doing a lot in high school, like right. I said, and doing all that heavy academics because I was at a private school. So it was a lot of academics and then doing sports and doing extracurriculars and doing performances. She told me, you know, you've committed to this. So you need to figure out how to work your way through it. I'm not going to let you just drop out because it got hard. That sounds and like that's, a mom quote. All that's a <laughs> yeah, it was a very applicable life skill. And I was able to take that into college when she's not there telling me that. So and like it just it made I wasn't having such a difficult time because of that. Yeah. And so if that's a skill to make life not as hard for you, I, I'm going to take it. And my my mom and grandmother, I tell you, are very wise. And I I really like to listen to people. So even as a kid, when they, when they would tell me things or advise me on things, I would listen. I wouldn't I wouldn't come back and be like, no, I know what I'm doing, because I knew I didn't know. And I'm like, if this person has more experience than me or if they've done this thing that I haven't done yet, I'm on the path for, let me hear what they are going to say. Because it might not be directly applicable, but there's something in there I can take and apply to whatever it is I'm using going forward. Which once again talks about like where you were in your life and how you were able to make sense of that. Because 
not all 16, 17, 18 year olds are able to tune in to say like, my mom and grandma have wisdom, let me listen. They were like, no, not right now. Yeah, I, I, it was just a very fortunate mindset I was able to adopt early on. So then what uh, happened so, after Juilliard for you? Or like, what was that? Yeah, so Juilliard and it was very, this is where I think things changed for me in a big way. So Juilliard ended, it was, I was on a really high note. I was like the first person to get signed with an agent and manager in my class. I was going out on auditions. I was meeting producers and directors and making my connects in the industry. And then I graduated and everything fell on its face. I um, wasn't booking any acting jobs. I was getting real close and real close in all of them, but never getting it. Uh, I couldn't even find a day job. I was going out, putting my resume out, and I wasn't getting hired even at, you know, like a salad bar or Chipotle or something. No like, one. There was nothing. There was no openings for you. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. It we blew my mind. Serve. We don't want you to do work. We don't want you to act. Nothing. Nothing. And so it got to a point I wasn't making any money, so I couldn't pay my rent. And so I ended up like packing a bag and sleeping on friends' couches, sleeping on friends' floors asking for food asking for money i i quite literally was doing the starving artist thing i like even food wise i would eat a bagel or two throughout the entirety of the day because i knew a bagel cost a dollar at the bodega and i probably had like twenty dollars and so i was like we're just gonna work with this and make this last and just figure it out but in that period of time I was able, I had nothing to do but confront myself. And so I got to a point where a lot of things happened. First thing I did was ask myself, is this something you really want to do? Because this is a type of thing that might happen in the lifestyle of an actor. Because it's hard out here. Because right now you're saying that's, what, four years of Juilliard plus your high school. You've already committed eight years. And now to really ask yourself this question. Yeah. And, and it was so difficult. I was putting so much pressure because of what you just said. I was like, I have to do this. Right. I can't, I can't do anything else with my life. And I got the freedom when I realized I don't actually have to, I could actually do something else. It's okay. And I was able to, you know, quiet the voices being like, Oh, you're going to do great things. You're going to do. And I'm sitting in this position where I'm like, I'm not I'm letting everyone down. I'm not doing it. I'm share, failing. Can you share? I mean, I'm I'm just amazed by what you're saying. And can you share a little bit about that moment of feeling pressure, right? Like when did that pressure start? And I, you're saying like you're getting all these accolades. You're you're ha- first one to sign. You're doing all these great things. Like how did you? How did that pressure increase? And what did you do with it? So the pressure came. It was it was really interesting because the, the pressure came from people being so supportive of me and believing in me. And so that's heartwarming, but at the same time, they don't know the whole story. They're only seeing what you present them. And so I felt like, especially like I said, going through Juilliard, going through the stuff I did in high school, having a family that's in the arts, I felt like I had no choice but to succeed and on the timeline that everyone else has set out for me not really knowing the ins and outs of the industry and how unpredictable it is and how random it is and how many people are trying to do the exact same thing I'm doing. Right. It's like, you got to get that big role first out the gate right away. Right. 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 And no, I I can totally relate to that, you know, in a different way. Like, you know, I grew up in a family, Jamaican family, Mm -hmm. parents didn't have a lot of education, only child from both my parents and this thought, of like I have to be successful or I have to like make good on the work and the effort and the sacrifices that yeah. they made. And I didn't even realize how intense that was and how much I was holding on to that. Once again, people are just saying they support me. People are just saying they're proud of me. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I gotta make them really proud. Yeah. And so it becomes this self-imposed almost guilt that you're not a star yet. And I'm like, you've been out of college for three months. Like, of course you're not. And I also ended up doing this thing in school. We call it compare and despair. Mm. 
where my classmate was getting something and I would compare where I am on my path to where they are with their path. Sounds like Instagram, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got, I took a break from social media. That was killing me too. Yeah. But I would be like, Oh, he just got a Broadway show. She just got a Netflix show. He just got a gig. I remember I came home from an audition. I was, I was living on my friend's couch, my best friend. And I came home another audition that I didn't get. And she opened the door and she was like, I just booked a Netflix series. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I was, you know, I was genuinely so happy for her, but I just had to go sit in a corner for a while and be like, what's, why is this happening to me? And I think that's just human too, right? This thought of like, we, even the people we love and care about, we want to be there for them. We want to support them. But at the same time, it's a both and. I can be happy for you and destroyed by your good news at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was confronted with, do you really want to do this knowing what you're going through? And I took a moment. There was a moment where I was like, not really. I kind of want to move somewhere else, focus on someone. I kind of want to detach from this life as a whole. And I went through that, but I circled back and I was like, you know what? No, this is worth it. I do want to stick with it because I love this. I love this. And I think it's rare that people are in a position where they get to say, I love what I do. Like, that's where I am. I get, I am happy that I get to go to work. When I'm not called in for work, I'm like, dang, all right. Like, all right. And so, so, cool. I mean, so what I'm hearing, right, is like in this low moment, which I think we all do, right? Mm -hmm. You compared uh, and despair, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? And which only probably further made you feel lower and worse. But you mm -hmm. gave you, it sounds like you gave yourself permission to say, I don't have to do this. I can do lots of other things. And that freed you up from the intensity and the pressure. Did yeah. You, did you ever have conversations with any of those people that you felt pressure with about all of this? No, I kept it to myself. Wow. To myself. Because I, I, I still wanted to uphold this image of like, I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Even to this day, I have friends and people who are like man you just went straight into it you just just got it. and i was like oh you have no idea right. no idea no i was on the couch yeah yeah you don't know i wasn't eating i wasn't wow. i wasn't happy wow. so in that freedom like you're talking about when i said i don't have to do this my next thing was well what do you like to do besides performing because i haven't had the opportunity to ask myself that throughout these, especially these last four years, because that's all I did. Yeah. I said, what else do you like? And I didn't know. And that freaked me out a little bit. I was you like, you didn't have what, the time to explore or to expand? Yeah, I didn't have the time to explore. It was all just working on this acting thing, working on this acting thing. Yeah. And yeah, it was like, what else do you like? Because that's not serving you right now. Mm -hmm. So where else can you put your mind? And I was like, I don't know. And so that was like, that was a big like, whoa, kind of wake up moment. Yeah, I think that's actually really powerful because, you know, even in the work I do, there's so many people that don't know what they like or what they enjoy outside of maybe their profession or school or their kids or whatever it might be that they could actually have other interests or other parts of themselves that they haven't unlocked yet. And yeah. it's not like you were at this place of like, I, I got places in my life that I haven't really unlocked. I don't even know yeah. what they are. And it was like, yeah, it was a it was a blessing and a gift being in this position because now I had nothing to do but explore that. Okay. I had no one else to confront or blame but myself. I got to really just deal with me. And I don't know how I ended up getting so invested in quantum physics i don't know how i ended up there i started okay, buying that's a, that's a leap that's a it's a huge leap i don't know how i got there i was i was watching lectures i was taking notes i was reading books wow. and it, it changed my focus from oh i don't have this oh this isn't going well to oh look at all these things like look at all these i'm having all these different thoughts now i'm, I'm approaching life differently because even in that i have this book that takes science and quantum physics and it and it links it with spirituality. And so that book actually bridged me into getting into Buddhism and reading about Buddhism and mentalism and being self-aware and learning and being self-aware about how my thoughts dictate my emotions and how that helps me perceive the world around me and my situation. 
and how I had something even when I had nothing. And so I would start the days being like, okay, well, what do I have? And just focusing on those little things each day would be like, yo, I'm all right. I'm all right. I think that's a good thing to really put out there to like, you know, all the, all everyone who's listening to, to, I love the mantra, right? Like what is going well? Like, what am I doing? What have I been able to, to do even in the beginning of the day to remind yourself that you have a lot to offer or a lot that is going well. And, Mm -hmm. and, and to think of the connections is often I share with people it's connected to this thing called CBT, where it just allows us to really think that our thoughts impact our emotions, which impact our behavior. And they could come in either one of those places, but to know that they're connected. And it sounds like quantum physics got you to the place (laughs) how all these things are connected. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. And so that, that really helped me I started meditating a lot. I started talking to myself a lot more. I just started being self-aware of my decisions and how they impacted me emotionally and physically. And that put me in a much calmer state, a more centered state, I should say. And did the, did, was the pressure still there or did it take on a new life? It started dying down, it started getting quieter. It started getting quieter. People were still saying something, I'd be like, great, I can do that by getting myself right. And so during this time, my mom, knowing I was going through all this, she was like, it's time to come home and find your feet again, like sleep in a bed, eat food. Like you can always come home. Shout out to mom once again, right? Like there goes mom, right? Not only she downloaded like the early beginnings, but she's been there. She's been pivotal in lots of moments. And I think like it's important that we have people in our life, in this case for you, it's your mom, that know mm-hmm. when like you don't have your ground, right? You're not grounded right now. You don't have your foot squarely planted on the floor and you can always come home. I could imagine you know, probably your mom saying, baby, you can just come home. <laughs> come home, baby. <laughs> She was like, it's time to come home. Right. And that was a scary thought to me because I was like, if I leave New York, Mm. this is all gone. This is where everything's happening. I can't leave New York. And and I've been learning some of those scary things. You have to just do them. And that fear is something that holds us back from bettering ourselves, finding a much better place for ourselves to be in. That's another takeaway for me, right? Like I think about just in life, my career and other people that I work with that, especially as we talk about leaders, entertainers, athletes, and performers, sometimes we got to lean into the scary. We got to lean into the things that we are afraid of because that sometimes can be the place where opportunities come or we advance or we hurdle over whatever difficulty is. And it sounds like the thought of coming back home away from New York, one of the meccas of like your industry Mm-hmm. and having to just face that and you did it i mean that's incredible that you were able to push to, to make that happen but it was helpful i was able like i said i was sleeping in a bed so i was having all these back problems because you know sleeping wherever i could that started helping just sleeping in a bed again or my mom or my stepdad making a meal and eating not having to worry about where am i going to be able to do these things and I started driving Lyft when I got back home. It was like, I'm gonna make some money. I gotta do this. And what my agents would do was they would cram kind of as many auditions they could within like a two, three day window. Great. I would take the mega bus up there, find someone's place to crash at, and then just run through these all of these auditions and then come back. And that that was what I was doing. Wow. All right. And you never gave up, right? You didn't give up on yourself. Like I hear these moments that you were able to transition from the moment of facing yourself, asking yourself, do I really want to do this? The moment of your mom saying, come home and you willing to do that, but then still not giving up, right? Leaning into it. And even the moment of like quantum physics, like let me explore beyond what I've been doing. Like these, these things are just incredible. I, yeah. I am a bit curious though, uh, knowing that like, you know, I've, I've, I've had a little bit of experience in the acting world. And I mm-hmm. remember like going on certain auditions and getting close to a gig 
and then I see it come out and I'm like, oh man, I was so close to that. I could I could have been that in that Pepsi commercial or that Ford commercial, whatever yeah. it was at the time. I wondering like, do you have like a top two or three? I don't want to bring you back to a dark place, but I wonder, is there a top two or three that you think of that like, yeah, I I was close to that one. Yeah. Um the show is called The Boys. Um, it's a it's an Amazon series, fantastic show. It's kind of about the dark side of superheroes and how they they portray this image in public, but how it's like behind the scenes. Yeah. And uh, I was going out for the lead guy in that show, and I, I remember reading the script and I was like, "This is incredible! This is incredible! I can't wait to see this." And the, that's the thing; those shows. Where I still feel like, where I feel like, oh, I could have had that. Yeah. They're also just so good. I'm like, I just want to see it. Oh, all right. Regardless if I'm in or not. But you know, even to the, some of whatever might be connected to it to just appreciate it for what it is. Yeah, and and I also have had the experience. This has helped with that. Where I'll be like, oh, I'm actually glad I didn't get that. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I wouldn't be on the path I am now. And there's certain things you like, like I said, you think you, you think you want it in the moment. This past summer or spring, they were I was doing an audition for Shakespeare in the Park. They were bringing theater back to New York. They were doing an African version of the Shakespeare play. They were putting it in Harlem, and I was so excited. I was doing the audition. I was doing the callback, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, like I'm I'm about to come back and do this stuff. And I didn't get it, and I was like, dang. But if I had gotten that. I wouldn't be on the TV show I'm on right now, which is paying me more than I've made. I'm making more connections. I have more friends in the industry now. I'm having so much fun. I'm like, I couldn't have done that if I was doing that. That's awesome. And so I, mean, I love that. And I'm, I'm, we're going to get to that place because I want to hear what you're working on. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I'm really just amazed at like the journey that you've been on, the internal like strength that you've had to have to go through all of that. Because it's it's a, such an emotional roller coaster, right? It's such a you know highs and lows and difficulties and disappointments and you know just part of the industry, like being out there. There's just a yeah. lot of rejection. There's a lot of no, right? Yeah. And that people don't realize how hard it is sometimes to just hear no over and over and over, even when you're good, right? And so, like, how did you handle those moments of the rejections or the not <sighs> the close calls? I think my manager, she really helped me out with that because when I was getting these notes, they would also just write these reviews about how good the audition was. And I'd be like, I'd rather you just tell me no and let me keep pushing than giving me almost this false sense of hope and then shutting the door on me at the end of it. But once again, when I talk about listening to people who have been in these situations, my manager's been in the game for a long time. And so she would encourage me in a sense of just being like, this is part of working your way up. You have to go through these, you have to, you're good. Don't question that. That's why we're representing you. You have that. You gotta keep pushing though. This is, this is, this is part of the game you signed up for. Mm. And I trusted in that. And also I had to, I was doing a auditioning for a lot of film and TV, but all my training was in theater. And so, there's a difference there. There is. And that's what I was learning on these auditions. You know, looking back at it now, I was like, oh, I was way too loud. I have a microphone right here. I don't need to project and fill the space. I can actually whisper. Yeah. And it's okay. I don't need to make these huge gestures. I don't need to yeah. do all this. It's actually more of just raising an eyebrow or smudging your mouth or do it it's it had to be a lot more subtle and so i was learning that as i was going because you don't really know how to act on film yeah. until you act on film right. right and so that's kind of like the catch-22 with it all you have to do it to learn it and once again that's one of those to, things right you have to go through to build the experience and then build an experience you get better at it and you're already good so you only added on some nuances, but it's funny you mentioned that. Like I remember once again my little little experience of like just hearing about you know like theater, you know, 
you're trying to communicate to the back of the room, you yeah. know, versus like, you know, TV and film, you know, it's so subtle. You're really trying to communicate to the camera and, and, and there's a big difference. Yeah. And like just yesterday when I was on set, we're doing my close up. the camera's right here. And there's another one right here. There's a mic hanging right here. There's one under my shirt. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have to go louder than this. Right. I'm not doing anything more than this. I don't have to turn all because it's right. The audience is this close to me now. Wow. Instead of all the way back there. Uh, it's incredible. things, yeah, that I just had to figure out. And I I really got it because they kept saying like be natural. And I was like, what do you mean? Like this is how I am. I did a table read. So sometimes for TV shows, when they haven't cast like the one-liner parts or the extra parts, they'll have someone come in during their table reads just to read all of them. And so they had me come in for, I think it was a show called, um, I, I forget what it was. I forget what it was. But I was at the table with all these actors I recognized. And I was like reading stage directions, reading like these one-liner characters they interact with. And the actors were doing their lines. We're in this big warehouse, this huge table. And I could barely hear them when they were talking. Mm. And I was the one being like, oh, da, da, da. And they were just, they were right here doing their lines just like this. And I was like, oh, that's what they need. Mm. Oh, wow. clock that. Let yeah. me apply that in the next audition. Yep, yep. There's an Okay. So yeah, so those things start to pile up. What would you say is one of those big breaks or big opportunities uh and how did you handle that moment i mean like uh, so now like, I hear, like, things yeah like it, when did you start to feel like yeah things are shifting or i'm i'm getting those opportunities or you know like even some of the tv stuff that you've done like when yeah. when did that happen and how did you kind of make sense of that sure so my first gig that I did book, it ended up being a, a play. It was an off-Broadway show. It was great. I had so much fun. It was all black cast. It was awesome working with them. Great. But this is the thing with acting. When that gig ended, I was like, what am I supposed to do now? And the TV and film gigs that I have booked have all been things I wasn't going to do all auditions i wasn't going to go to all of them and so for my first yeah <laughs> i feel like oh you know what i think i should go to that one so the first tv gig i was that i booked the day of the audition i had just done a play reading i was in a bad headspace i think i had gotten in an argument with my mom earlier i wasn't happy I think I got into something with my sister. I was just very not okay at that time. And I was like, I'm not even going to go to this audition. Like, it's not, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I don't. And someone was like, just go. Just do it. Just do it. Just give it a try. And so I went to the audition. I was having a rough day. I walked in the room. The casting director was having a rough day too, and I was like, "Great, <laughs> yeah, that, that, like that was it." I, I, I think the first scene in the audition was a was a phone call, and it's a lot of people they do this when they do phone calls, and that's like a big no, especially if you're doing film and TV. I was like, "Can I?" You use your phone. Right. I was like, "Pull my phone out and just like do my phone," for, and she was like, "Yes, thank you." And I was like, you having one of those days? Okay, like, cool, I'm having a bad day too. And the scene was like an argument. <laughs> the argument, I was laying, in the, in the context of the show, I was like laying out my girlfriend's dad for mistreating her or something like that. And so I got on the phone and I was going off. I was just kind of giving everything off. I was going off. You already rehearsed for that one, huh? <laughs> I was prepared. You're right. And the cast director, she was like, can you bring it down a little bit? I was like, no, I was like my bad. I had to get that out. I first take. Just give, give me another one. First take, yeah. But the, so something I've learned, when you go into an audition, if you're, if you're sick or you're tired or you don't really feel like doing it, you don't have any energy to put onto it other than what's exactly necessary. Mm -hmm. You're not going to oversell it. 
You're not going to overact. You're not going to try to force. You are only going to do what this part calls for. Mm. And because you just you just don't have the energy and you don't have the mental capacity to be like, oh, I'm going to rip. You're just like, no, I'm sick of it. I'm just going to tell you I'm sick of it. And that's like that's where the naturalness comes out. Yeah. And so I had it that day. And like I said, I did the audition. I left. I was also going through like passport trouble at the time. I was trying to go on a trip. I had to renew my passport. The post office messed it up. I had to like go to the the place in the city and wait in those lines for hours. And wow. So I was there waiting in that line. It was like the second day I had to come there. I was in my bad mood and I got a call and it was like, you got the part. And I was like, Ooh, wow. It took me back. I was like, yeah, oh. right, right. I was like, yeah. The part? Yeah. That one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And oddly enough, so um, one of my really good friends from Juilliard, he's from Philly too. His name's Lee Colston. He was there as a drama major. He ended up getting into writing, actually. And he's like a big brother to me. And he was one of the first people I told. And I, I called him. I was like, Lee, oh, I just got my first TV gig. And his response was, you're welcome. Mm. And I was like, whoa, what does that mean? Come to find out, he's a writer on the show. <laughs> He convinced it's all them. connected, right? Quantum physics, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So come to find out, he's a writer on the show. The network wanted to make this character white or Hispanic, even though it involved a black family and a black story. He's the one that convinced them you have to make the boyfriend black. You you have to keep this yeah. a black story. Yeah. And now that I've now that I've convinced y'all to keep it a black story, look out for that one. Mm. watch this stuff and i was like whoa and i got there the first day for the table reading he introduced me to the showrunner and he was like hank this is tony he's like oh is this the guy you told me to look out for he's like yeah he's like oh we hired great welcome man and so you never that know. you never know who is bigging you up or thinking about you or putting you on what they talk about, like, you know, thought about, you know, once again, especially like in some of people who are high achievers, you don't, you never know, like, what is the bridge that is going to get you there? Why they say don't burn the bridges, right? Because you don't ever know how, who's going to put you on. Exactly. Don't burn those bridges. And it's when you're on set being nice to everyone there. Yeah. And not, not, not just as a means to an end, but as a, as a decent person. That's one of the things the guy who was, the lead of this show. The show was called For Life on ABC. I did two seasons of it. I remember watching it. It was an awesome show. You did an awesome job. Yeah. The lead, his name is Nicholas Pinnock. And he told me one of my first days there, he was like, when you get this set, because you're a recurring character, like you're here, you're doing stuff. He's like, you introduce yourself to the extras that day or the background characters, the guy who's got the one line. You make sure you introduce yourself to people. You're everyone here plays equal part. Our stand-ins play just as important part as we do we do. These people setting up the cameras, all the everyone who has a part in front and behind of the camera is all working towards this. So you make sure you look out for everybody here because they're looking out for you. And that's something my mom taught me as well growing up. You know, being at school, you know, being at this private school with a lot of well-off kids it was always like you make sure you say hi to the janitors you make sure you introduce yourself to the people serving your food you make sure yeah you, you look out for those people because those are the people that are going to help you be a good person right I, I love you know that and and you know for nicholas being able to say that that that's a moment that i can see in here right because you never know sometimes as you're moving along right your career like Lee being able to be somebody who like puts in a good word for you. And then as soon as you're there, somebody who like kind of like takes you a little bit under their wing, even for a little bit of a moment to say like, hey, make sure you do this and that, because that could be a difference maker. You know, I, I love everything that you're saying. A whole bunch of other questions I want to ask you that we probably maybe it might be a part two, because I'm curious about like COVID and that impact. I'm curious about yeah. like what it means to be a black male actor in the industry and so there's so many other questions that i think like that alone is like 
a whole nother episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I love to talk about that. But I'm curious as we kind of get into the end, there's like three or four questions I like to kind of end with everybody. Sure. The first is really about so what are you working on now? What are what are the those things that you're doing now that you're excited about that is that that you could share with us? So I'm currently I'm shooting the it's on Showtime, a show called Billions. I love that show. I'm so I am one of the new characters they're introducing in season six. Nice. That we're shooting right now and it's a significant part for this season. Wow. And I'm having so much fun. I'm having so much fun with this show. The cast is and the crew is they're just so welcoming. It, it was like instant family when I got there. I came on set the first day. Everyone's clapping. They're welcoming me. They're like, this is where this is. This is where this is. This is my number. If you need anything here, this, da, da, da. come out with us. We're going for drinks tonight. We're going da da da. Like we're all going out bowling tomorrow. <laughs> yes. and, and I'm just like, these people are incredible. That's good. And <laughs> there's some really great actors. It's smart, the storyline. And for me, I, why I've liked it is that they've included like mental health, mental wellness, psychology from the uh -huh. very beginning of like how that can help high achievers perform even higher and better. And how when you're off your game, Sometimes you need to talk to somebody. So that, that's been one of those things that I've just loved about that particular show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. And I had never seen it before when I got the part, once again, was an audition I wasn't going to do. Um, my friend was like, just do it. I was out in California. I was kind of like doing my own thing. I was, I was like, ah, no, I don't even think I could fit this part. Mm. Hey. I did it, but that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. It sounds like you're having a great time. It's a great experience. I'm, I'm happy for you to, to even hear the evolution of your talent, your character, your career, and how you've had these moments where we all have, where I don't want to do this, or I'm done, or is this right, or it's not going the way that I want. And the mm -hmm. people, the people who have been there, like mom, Ozzy, Lee, Nicholas, right? And countless friends and other people. Like, it just sounds so great that you've been able to navigate that and that you're seeing the, the fruits of all your labor and all that you've done. And of course, there's so much more like for you to do. And I'm excited to, you know, see your career. So here are the, the three kind of last questions I like to ask in, in all of this. Mm -hmm. What does mental wellness mean to you? Mental wellness, I think self-care is what comes to mind, mental wellness, and that means so many different things. I guess one of, how I apply it to myself is doing what you need to do to be where you want to be at. Mm. Um, and I, just to kind of use it as an example, for like actors who learn their lines differently, yeah. I'm the type of actor who can get it the night before, learn it, do it the next day. Some actors need to have three days before. They need to work on it hours a week. They need to write it down. They need to do it. They're, whatever they need to do to be ready on set is what they need to do to get to where they need to be at. And so sometimes for me, I get overwhelmed with work. Because I have, you know, some uh, Monday I had to get up at 4 a.m. to mm -hmm. go to sleep. You know, I'm working 12, 14 hour days. And sometimes I can't talk to people, you know, when I'm in that space. And I have certain people in my life who are like, why aren't you answering my messages? Why aren't you messaging me back? And I've gotten to a point, what I'll say to myself is, I love myself too much to do that right now. Yeah. I like myself too much. I care too much about myself to put myself in a position where I'm exhausting myself mentally, physically for something I don't really want to do right now. It doesn't mean we're not friends because I'm not talking to you, but also means I have to take care of myself because if I don't, when I do talk to you, we're probably not going to have a good conversation. Right. I'm going to be irritable or whatever. <laughs> um, surrounding yourself with good people. I mean, I think that's that's a major thing with my story in particular and something I'm able to start doing for others 
as well. I have a castmate I'm very close with now, and he deals with mental health issues and he he covers that up with comedy. Mm-hmm. He's a funny guy on set, da 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 da. But when he gets quiet, I know something's up. Yeah. And I'm the person he he can hit me up on weekends like, hey, can we just go to a park somewhere? Cause I need to get out of my house. My therapist said I need to do this. Or would you mind if we go to a movie? Or can we just sit somewhere? And I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. Um and like whatever he needs. Like I said, if you need if you want to go get food, if you want to just sit, if you want to just sit in silence, what whatever it may be that you need. That's awesome. And I, I really appreciate that. And and what I was wondering, even as you're saying that, my second question is, what mental wellness advice would you give to your younger self? Mm. And that could be my, yesterday or <laughs> I think my advice would be go with what you feel or yeah, go with what you feel based on what everyone else is telling you you need to feel. And that's something one of my friends told me when I was at my low point and he's an actor, his name's Brandon, Brandon Michael Hall. He was at Juilliard with me as well. And I reached out to him, talked to him, and he said, figure out who you are before you get into this industry because if you don't, they're gonna tell you who you are and you're probably not gonna like it. Right. So you're at a point now where you have the opportunity actually to figure out what that is, what your what jobs you'll say no to, because that's just as important as the ones you're going to say yeah. yes to. Yeah. Um, when they asked you to do something on set or your character does something and you're not comfortable with it, being able to vocalize that, not being like, oh, I'm just an actor, I just need a job, and being like, no, I'm, I'm an advocate for myself. Yeah. So learning to be an advocate for yourself, that was big for me. I used to let people walk over me all the time because I just wanted to people please wow. and make sure everyone else is happy, even if that was at my own detriment. Uh, I mean, I, I appreciate like everything you said is just amazing. And I love, you know, that your willingness to share uh, and to be open today and to just talk about what it means, like your journey as a person, as an actor, as a, you know, someone who is in a profession of entertaining, but also bringing stories to life. And uh, I really appreciate you showing up and being here today. And, you know, as part of this is just my uh, way of just being able to highlight these human moments, right? That sometimes we don't really talk about these people who show up in our lives, these phrases, these books, these things that we get connected to. And that's really, you know, what LeapCast is about. So, uh, you know, once again, this is Dr. George James. This is LeapCast. This is us exploring these unexamined human moments with amazing, high-achieving leapers uh leap cast members and we've had tony goins sharing his story his experiences and i'm excited about season six of billions uh, i'm looking forward to your character and what will unfold and i i'm just excited about what's still yet to come for you in your career so thanks for joining us thank you so much this was a pleasure thank you so much wow what an incredible ride we just went on with another great member of the LeapCast community. I appreciate you listening and hope you got some tangible value from the episode. Please let us know what you think by leaving a comment, rating, and review. As always, please don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Dr. George James, and I'll see you next time.